Hello, I'm Kurt LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief of Business in Vancouver. We're proud to present this series of 10 discussions with prominent British Columbians in what we call the BIB Business Leadership Series, where they're going to share their views on the impact of the pandemic and how our economy can recover. Our series is sponsored by PwC and by FASCAM. Their messages appear at the start and finish of our conversations, and we're brought to you by UBC Souter Executive Education. All of its programs are running online now until the end of the year, offering an opportunity to engage with faculty and peers in virtual classrooms. Enjoy the conversations. PwC Canada, our purpose is to build trust in society and solve important problems. What we have today is a very important problem. This pandemic affects us all globally. In BC, as the curve continues to flatten, we're settling into new ways of working and considering what business, as usual, may look like going forward. We are proud of PwC to sponsor this podcast series from Business in Vancouver to talk about what business leaders should know. Returning to the workplace isn't just about physical places. It's about finding opportunities to thrive in this new era. So let's keep the conversation going. So welcome back to BIV's Business Leadership Series. I'm Tyler Orton, and our guest today is the CEO of one of Vancouver's largest tech employers. That's Galvanize. I'd like to welcome onto the show, Lori Schultz. Thanks for joining us. Great to be here. Thanks so much, Tyler. So one of the things that I just kind of blew my mind, though, when this all came down, the, the pandemic, is how quickly the economy really did kind of grind to a halt. And I'm just wondering, like, what was your initial reaction when you realized, you know, the threat to business as a result of COVID-19? It's amazing to look in the rearview mirror at stuff that we've now become experts at, isn't it? I remember in the beginning of March, we had a, a, a large customer conference planned. It was in Florida. We expected about 800 people there. And we were actually debating whether we should cancel it. And, and it's shocking to, to think we actually had that debate. And literally within weeks, we canceled the conference and we shifted to a virtual conference. And it's amazing uh, the outcome, actually. We saw almost three times the number of customers join our conference at literally almost no cost. It's, it was, you know, our, I guess one of many of our first educations as we went into this experience, just how, um, how well we could be uh, working from home and the level of audience and attention we could still garner from our customers. So that, that's been one significant learning is just how ready, uh, ready everybody's been for that, and how quick we as a technology company could actually transition to that environment. You know, for any viewers that have may have caught these other interviews, I, I think I've brought it up multiple times that I'm somebody, I prefer working in the office. I like mm -hmm. being able to bounce ideas mm -hmm. off my coworkers, but. I was kind of surprised that I was able to adapt to working from home. I was still able to be productive. I was able to do Zoom chats with all of my colleagues almost every day. Um, what was kind of the, the stuff that you learned about how you could function and how your company could function with this kind of new reality the last two and a half months? Yeah, so we, we have 500 employees and we are in 14 countries around the world. Our largest office is here in Vancouver. We have 300 employees here, but it's been really interesting to navigate this. We have 100 employees in India, for example, offices in Singapore, Japan, Sydney, London. And so the complexity with all of the different local kind of compliance and government responses has been very challenging for us. Um, though, again, as a tech company, we've been able to get our employees to home very consistently. And, and I think like everybody else, we've been quite amazed 
at how productive employees have been. And, you know, perhaps it's a, an unusual situation. And as this becomes more the new normal, that'll change. But for us, at least the first couple of months, employees have been really bonded closer than ever, I believe, across all of these oceans, just as we kind of learn this crazy new normal and how to be effective together. It's probably worth emphasizing, though, as we're in now our third month of this, I'm witnessing a real kind of pent up desire for employees to at least have the choice to come back part time. I'm witnessing employees having more, you know, mental fatigue, uh, getting tired of staring at a Zoom, uh, you know, conference call every second of the day, uh, eaten up. And I'm, I'm finding, um, you know, th this return to office conversation increasingly welcomed by our employees. How is the transition going at this point for Galvanize? From a, uh, an employee perspective, you know, one thing I think we did really well, and employee has always been kind of our number one focus. We we focus on employees first, customer second, and then shareholder financial third. And the fact that we took such a, a big emphasis and orientation around the physical and mental health of our employees is, is, is paying off for us, quite frankly. Right now, we have extremely strong sentiment. We have an organization that feels uh, trust in their leadership. And uh, one thing we have been able to do in this in this situation is we created a crisis management toolkit. Of course, we're in the governance, risk, and compliance business, so we were able to point our technology at helping our customers manage some of the risks associated with with uh, COVID-19. And it's creating a real rallying cry for our employees as they go through this whole new uh, situation to have some. Something that they can work on that's relevant to helping our customers deal with the pandemic has created meaning and purpose and has created a rallying cry for us as an organization. So in the, in the near term, that's really helping us uh, work our way through uh, to the other side of, of uh, you know, what hopefully is a return to something that looks a lot more familiar. You know, and one of the reasons I really wanted to speak to you is just because of what you guys specialize in. And I'm wondering mm -hmm. if you can shed some light on, on how you think business practices will be changing, not just in the coming months, but maybe perhaps the coming years as well? Well, I think we're all learning that work from home folks can be productive. And I'll admit, I, I feel like I have to keep apologizing for being a Generation Xer. I've been fairly traditional in my mindset, though I work for a tech company, and that I like the idea of people being in an office. You know, it 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 helps us at least really leverage our culture. We have a transformation agenda, and I've had this belief that people need to be together to do that. And I'm certainly being proven wrong, at least in kind of a short term, that work from home is it can be equally effective. For uh, many of us, likewise, facilities is a is a challenge, especially as we return to office and how do we use of eleva elevators and how do we actually consume our space? So it's put a large question mark on on uh, obviously our, our physical environment. And you know, being in the tech space and we're a true cloud-based solution, you, you know if if you're familiar with on cloud versus, on-premise debates, a lot of the legacy technology challenges we've had sometimes in our sales cycle, we've seen those diminish as uh, you know, government and other commercial uh, uh, organizations try to work from home on obsolete technology. It, it's certainly going to help us as a cloud-based solution to uh, you know, uh, make our, our, our challenges in selling a, a lot easier. 
So then what opportunities might you think exist, maybe not just your businesses, but other businesses in general, what what opportunities might exist as we get to over, I guess, the worst hump of this first wave? Well, you know, for us, uh, there's three opportunities that come to mind. And I'll speak, you know, firstly, from a talent agenda, especially in Vancouver, we are challenged for tech talent here in, uh, you know, just from a supply and demand perspective. Of course, with work from home, that has no bounds now. And so I think from a talent supply perspective, us, uh, you know, really revisiting where we source talent from is is a, a great game changer. Um, I'd say for Galvanize Uniquely, as, as you know, Tyler, we were born in an audit analytics category and we've materially diversified beyond that. We acquired a company last year that it brought us into the cyber risk space. And, you know, as we've responded to this pandemic and crisis management in particular, it's allowed us to further diversify how we point our technology and how we reassociate our brand. So for our businesses, for our business in particular, the application of our um, technology to help manage, uh, you know, business continuity, for example, um, this is really opening a lot of doors for us in, in that regard. Well, you know, you look at British Columbia itself, and it has a very diversified economy. It was able to navigate the 2008 uh, financial crisis quite well. We, we went through that recession, came out stronger economy than other provinces. Mm -hmm. I, I'm wondering, what do you think about BC's ability to bounce back or BC's ability to navigate this crisis right now? I'll tell you, I, I feel very privileged in that uh, we're a global business. We have 6,000 customers in 130 countries around the world. And while two-thirds of my employee base are here in Vancouver and I'm a fiercely loyal Canadian, less than 5% of my customers are actually in Canada. And so I, I feel very privileged in that, um, you know, at the risk of complexity, I have the ability to flatten my risks and opportunities by virtue of having access to customers all around the world. And I think for uh, BC-based organizations that have that global ambition, or at least even that uh, global backdrop already, that they're they're going to be in a very, very good position to be resilient through, uh, through situations like this. It's probably just worth emphasizing as a Canadian commercial, uh, you know, the diversity of the talent pool in our community. I know we have uh, employees from 35 different countries of origin. I think that's one of the great things about being a, a core employer in BC is that we're able to, you know, source from that kind of diverse talent pool and it allows us to build products that are, you know, sought after around the world. You know, I had another technology leader tell me, you know what, uh, look, employees might be working from home, but as companies, we've always been used to having to be remote in terms of our clients. And I'm wondering, you know, of course, we it's a small market here in Canada. How do you mm -hmm. think it is going to be for a lot of these BC technology companies that might have a leg up? They might already be used to having to work, quote unquote, remote away from clients and being able to kind of adapt where maybe some other larger companies uh, south of the border, uh, it, it's a whole new ball game for them. Well, that's an excellent point, and uh, definitely we're we're very lucky in that we've learned how to do business largely over the phone all around the world. That doesn't mean we don't have local offices in uh, key markets around the world, but of course the ability to do work through technology is critical as a vendor. I think um, 
you know, obviously the other side of that are customers equally ready to do business over technology. And for us, you know, one of the things that shifts is us thinking about where we have the quickest ROI uh, from an industry perspective in terms of the next 12 months. I mean, certain sectors like retail and manufacturing, even healthcare to an extent, aren't as um, accessible for us right now because, you know, they're bricks and mortar and or maybe uh, don't have the same use of technology in their environments. And so it causes us to shift more of our emphasis to those sectors that are, uh, you know, bigger adopters of technology. We we have an enormous amount of activity with government, for example, uh, with financial institutions, for example, and and obviously with other tech companies. And it's probably worth saying, you know, uh, 50% of our business actually is with the U.S. So, um, you know, we've learned how to be competitive in the U.S. and and in many cases up against U.S., more traditional U.S.-based competitors. You touched on this a few moments ago, and I want to go back to that, but the whole, you know, talent conundrum that we have here in British Columbia, it's been a, a global, you know, competition for talent. If talent could theoretically work anywhere, I mean, what does this spell for kind of the growth potential for companies that just need to scale up by hiring more people? Well, I mean, obviously, that creates an enormous amount of opportunity. I think what we have to do is, you know, the discussions we're going through right now is where do we need a facility? I mean, we have about seven different facilities. And, you know, to state the obvious, we're looking at, you know, what's the minimum critical mass of employees we need to actually have a facility? Vancouver will be here to stay, and there's a few other offices that are really key for us. But for those offices, we choose to go exclusively work from home we're spending a lot of time thinking about culture. Like how do you create culture through bricks and mortar across multiple countries for one, and then, you know, kind of amplify the volume on that. How do you create culture when you have so many people working from home? And uh, I can't say I have the perfect example. I don't have the perfect answer for that, but it's on our mind right now. And the one thing I will say that's been really effective for us and, you know, a really great learning for me is uh, the the importance of authentic, vulnerable human leadership. Uh, one thing I started doing at the beginning of these crises, and honestly, I had no idea what I was signing up for, but back there in early March, when we all started working from home, I started a daily CEO communication. I was trying to be just very raw and human, share how I'm feeling, share, you know, um, uh, my, my priorities. And of course, employees at the beginning were afraid. They were afraid for their health, they're afraid for their job. And now I, I've done some, I think I've done about 65 of these daily CEO posts. I have no idea I would be writing that many in a row. And it just, you know, it's one great way to create culture. And uh, while I won't do them every day, I'll surely do them weekly. Um, the ability to create culture by having this, you know, regular communication and uh, being both human and uh, CEO-like and, and how we talk to employees, that's been a really important lesson for me and uh, certainly something I'll carry into the new normal. Well, well I'll tell you as a worker, uh, our boss has been doing the same thing. We're, we're getting updates. There's transparency going on. Mm -hmm. As a worker, I, I think it's a great idea and it really does uh, give us a sense of normalcy, but it also just kind of puts our minds at ease, even if it's not great news coming through the pike, I, at least we know what's going on. And I think that's been great for employees too. One thing, Tyler, that uh, now that, you know, we're in our, I guess, our third month 
we emphasized very heavily at the beginning health of employee, of course, both physical and mental. And we created this rallying cry around uh, what we call a crisis management toolkit using our technology. Um, we actually are giving that away to customers to help them, you know, manage their own continuity of operations. But as we bridge now into this return to office conversation, finding a way to bridge into a business return to business as usual conversation is also what we're working our way through. So, you know, it's about balancing the health of the individual with the health of the business and, and therein, you know, making sure we, 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 keep the focus on our culture, we keep the focus on our customers, and of course on our financial performance. Um, finding a way to balance those two things is, uh, is, is our preoccupation right now. And it's, you know, it's not necessarily easy to do because many of our customers are still at home. Um, certainly folks aren't uh, uh, buying at the same pace that they were. So keeping that focus on kind of the long-term goal while balancing kind of the short-term reality is, is a really, obviously a really big area of, of, of focus for us. I think so many companies are going to be looking at the second quarter of the year and um, it's not going to look great for a lot of companies. But as we look beyond that, uh, do you think that the economy is due for a sizable bounce back uh, moving forward into the rest of 2020? Well, for us, I'd say we definitely anticipate a recovery toward the end of calendar uh, 2020, and we're planning for that. And uh, being in the tech space and having a subscription-based model, you know, we our, our engine is based on recurring revenues, and so we're lucky in that um, we have a lot of resiliency because of our business model. So that will allow us to kind of survive the next 12 months just fine, and, and, and therein, uh, as we enter January of next calendar, we see uh, a lot of the broad industries returning back to kind of the, the, the same level of, of new sales growth. Well, maybe I'll leave you with this, and it's something that I, I've been asking all of the uh, business leaders out here in British Columbia, but what is, what have you learned about yourself, I should say, uh, during this whole pandemic? That's a great question. Well, I, um, you know, I've always, I've always emphasized um, uh, leadership uh, and being very human and being very vulnerable and transparent, and I think by acting human through this and sharing what you're afraid of and sharing what you're excited about, it, it, it creates relatability and creates trust. And so that isn't necessarily a, a new learning for me, but it's the acting that way is certainly being reinforced for me uh, throughout this. Uh, if there is any new learning, and I'm you know embarrassed to say it's taken me this long, but never before have I had to be such an in-the-moment leader. There's no template for what we're doing. There's no looking back at history for lessons learned. And frankly, none of us can succinctly predict what three or six months looks like from now. And so getting comfortable with that in the moment, um, you know, putting a lot of emphasis on people you trust um, and, you know, trying to be as human as possible without overthinking it. I, I guess I'm really learning how to do that. And uh, you know, certainly in my business, that's been my my approach, and you know, trying to do that in my personal life as well. Uh, you know, this has been a, a, a great opportunity to explore and learn on, on both business and professional. I can totally relate to what you're saying. There's just really no roadmap for what we're going through right now, and I think um, no matter what industry, a lot of people are realizing like no single day is going to be the same, and, and it's going to be hard to guess what's going to happen next too. Yeah. 
That's right. You know, and at the end of the day, we want to be able to say, you know, both as individual leaders, as in an organization, that we did everything that we could and that we did the right thing. And, you know, sometimes it feels cheesy to say, but in times like this, you know, the best thing to do is the right thing. And that's where you kind of draw on your values and you you try to be humane and uh, you try to do the right things. And if you communicate broadly uh, with the right integrity of intent, you know, your your employee gratitude will survive this type of pandemic. And, you know, I think, you know, we've done some things well there. And I think we're going to be in a really strong position once things get back to normal as a result. Excellent. Uh, Laurie, some great insight. I just want to thank you once again for joining us on the show today. My pleasure. Great to see you, Tyler. That is Lori Schultz. She is a CEO of Galvanize. And that's it for the show today. But go to BIV.com for more interviews and more news stories. For now, I want to thank everyone for watching. Thank you, everyone, for attending today's very interesting session. I'm Will Westring, Managing Partner of Faskin's BC Region, which includes our downtown Vancouver and Surrey locations. Faskin is a Canadian-based international law firm with offices across Canada in London, England, Johannesburg, South Africa, and Beijing, China. We are BC's largest law firm and have been serving this province's business community for over 130 years. At Faskin, we provide a full range of legal services, including assisting clients in relaunching their operations and implementing COVID-19 business recovery efforts. Please call us or visit our website for information on all the services we provide, including our COVID-19 Knowledge Center. We really are in this together. Thank you. Thank you.